Welcome to episode three of the Crossplay Podcast, the greatest podcast ever between Game Revolution and PlayStation Lifestyle. I'm Chandler Wood with PlayStation Lifestyle. I can't even believe we made it three episodes, but I'm Cameron with PlayStation Lifestyle. I'm Jason with Game Revolution. And I am Paul with Game Revolution. All right, so uh, we had a lot of little news bits this week. There, there wasn't anything huge, but a lot of little things that kind of happened. Um, I guess uh, first big thing is by the time you guys are listening to this, there will be a Detroit uh, Become Human demo that's available. It's that first opening, the, the hostage mission that we've seen a million and a half times in trailers. Um, and you'll actually be able to play that for yourself, which is pretty cool. Mm. Uh, I may be in the minority. I, I don't care about demos one bit. I think at this point, if you're going to, if you're into uh, Quantic Dream stuff, you're going to buy that game anyway, regardless of the demo. But, uh, how 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 long is the demo? Because you've gone hands on, haven't you, Chandler? Yeah, yeah. I played the uh, the first three hours of the game last week, um, and that that demo portion is just that one hostage scene. So you're right. looking at, I mean, they've they've played it, um, you know, live on stage at like PSX and stuff like that. Uh, so you're looking at 10, 15 minutes, depending on how quickly you breeze through it. But you can oh, replay right. it and do all of the different like choice paths. There's something like six different endings that you can get just from that one scene alone. I can't. Uh, surely three hours. How long do Quantic Dream games usually go on for? Surely that is just the game at that point. <laughs> uh, I, I was told that the story is really just getting started uh, by the point our, our preview session cut off. So um depending on i mean choices can can either extend or, or shorten it but they're estimating you know anywhere from like 8 to 12 hours and that's a very loose average right okay so what was in the uh preview you're not hold to an embargo are you no uh no it published this morning uh well, oh, right, this okay. morning when we're recording so yeah the uh my my preview's up and everything um uh, but it, it weaves back and forth between all three main characters, uh, sure. kind of sets up each of their stories. Yeah. Um, a lot of the themes were starting to cross over. There were there were certain uh, elements that were reappearing in each of their stories, and you kind of got a sense for this world and maybe where the story was eventually going to be headed, but uh, there was no direct crossover by the time I had finished my playthrough. Uh, so it wasn't like uh, loads of interwoven stories at that point, like Heavy Rain. Yeah, yeah, not quite yet. And and right. I don't recall with Heavy Rain, but um, I, I mean, I know they all did cross over eventually, but didn't it take a while before you you finally realized? I guess the the whole. I'm thing sure was it was the, quite uh, close. With was it uh, Ethan and Ma Ethan was the dad, wasn't he? The sad dad. Yes. Yeah. And then you had Madison, who was the uh, female reporter, wasn't it? And yeah, then yeah, that's, they that's crossed right. over quite quickly. So, and then the detective. Um, yeah. yeah. So, you, oh so you god, get the everything. detective that was dreadful. Who was randomly like <laughs> on drugs and in a sci-fi world just by himself individually, and like start playing with tanks <laughs> while, while they're this investigation. It's like <laughs> fuck it, playing with tanks now. Kids dead. Who cares? Tanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a bit interesting, but. <laughs> Um, 
Yeah, D- Detroit starts off uh, a lot more separate. Uh, right. It's it's not entirely clear how and where these character stories will cross over. I actually uh, talked to David Cage too, oh. um, and he said that it's it's going to be a lot more branching and less. It, it, things won't come back together in, in a central path the same way that, that Heavy Rain did. Right, okay. Uh, where by the end, you know, chapter, it was like, it was always that same scene of them at the warehouse and climbing up that conveyor belt and yeah. like, like it always led back there. And he said that they heard the criticisms and now characters may or may not meet and characters may or may not be big parts of your story and care you know like the, the story oh, so you can just... actually have it where the characters that you play won't meet during the playthrough yeah yeah because i asked uh. him you know do, do with this playthrough none of the characters cross over do their stories eventually cross over and he was just like well depends on your decisions <laughs> maybe yeah. that is definitely not david cage's accent <laughs> yes. well uh... It definitely Probably. doesn't happen. <laughs> it, it could happen. We'll see. <laughs> How David Cagey is it? Is it on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest David Cager? <laughs> um, You know, uh, so it, it depends on it depends on how critical you are of David Cage, I think. Mm. But... Um, it 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 very much feels like a quantic dream david cage game right. and i think that they've gotten the the nuance and the context more right that that they've kind of progressed to this point where they're they're getting better at that um i know there was a lot of criticism about like the uh the child abuse scene that they showed it yeah Paris Games Week or whatever, yeah. But within the that that happens within those first three hours, it's one of the scenes there. But it also provides context leading up to that. So, um, starting out as as Kara, you are in. I'm sorry if you can hear my cat meowing loudly. <laughs> that was a very quiet meow. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the very start, as as uh, of Kara's story, you're in a repair shop, actually getting picked up by Todd, the the abusive guy. So Kara is the was Kara the is Kara the android? Yeah, the the android. Yeah, and it, it becomes kind of clear, kind of subtly, you know, that that he's like, man, you know, a number was really done on her. You know, what happened? And Todd's like, oh, she was uh, hit by a car. Right. You know, and it, it's clear that this guy doesn't treat. He he throws his controllers, as it were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So it really contextualizes that that moment. It's not just going in and being like, "Hey, here's a game, and we have child abuse in it." Yeah, it, it makes sense within the grander scheme of the the story and everything. Um, and from what I got so far, everything seems to be contextualized well enough that I was I was comfortable with it. But I'm also a difficult person to offend. So yeah. I think with the with that whole thing, it wasn't so much the case of that they were tackling it because obviously games can and should tackle that. It's a case of when you're specifically marketing your game around that, it's probably a bit, it's probably a bit, uh, bit of an awkward one to navigate, isn't it? Really, when it's like, oh, here's the here's this taken out of the context of the of the full game, and then it's like, oh, this child, you know, the abusive parent might kill her or might save her, or just oof. Thanks. That's uh, it's tough. 
People kind of got the same way about that Last of Us two scene, yeah. with all the killing, and which I was like, it's the Last of Us two. There's going to be killing. Get over it. Yeah, I think um, yeah with the Last of Us two because uh, that trailer was like obviously it was a super violent trailer. Again, I, from my perspective, it's one of those where I think um, when you're playing those games, obviously I, like I love the Last of Us and stuff. When you're playing them. It's uh, not so much of a problem because it's like, well, it obviously is ultraviolet. It's an ultraviolet world. Uh, but then when it's in a trailer, it just it comes across quite, quite weird. I think it's just a general like reputation of the games industry for um, obviously veering into ultraviolence as like a selling point rather than contextualising it. Um, and me personally, I think it's absolutely fine having that kind of stuff in the game, but then advertising it. As the as it was the case with uh, Detroit, like putting it at the forefront, of the advertising is a little bit, a little bit off the mark, I'd say. But um, but no, I'm definitely interested in Detroit. Uh, I liked Heavy Rain. Thought Beyond was dreadful. So is, <laughs> is it like um, is it is it I, I take well you said about being branching paths and stuff. So I'm assuming it hasn't got the linearity of Beyond or anything. No, it, it seems to be extremely branching. So there there are things where um, at the end of each scene, it will actually show you kind of the permutations and the branching that you can possibly get within each yeah. scene. And I was discovering sometimes less than 50% of the, the various permutations and choice paths that, that I could take. And even things in previous scenes. So, uh, you know, Kara gets gets home with Todd and he's kind of ordering her around to, to do her you know, work as an Android and, and maintain the house and clean it and everything. Yeah. And certain things and actions that you take during the cleaning process will then, you know, you, you switch between characters and come back to Kara a couple scenes later for that, that, you know, violent scene where Todd gets upset and almost, or, yeah. you know, what, whatever ends up happening based on your choices. Yeah. Um, and the things that you did in the previous scene, the things that you discovered will actually have an impact on, what you can or can't do within that that next scene so for example in my playthrough um i uh, discovered a way that i could easily and quickly escape with alice and so Mm -hmm. it never even actually got into a confrontation with todd i I ran up the stairs and locked the door behind me and ran out with alice and that was that was it so there was I mean, he was still getting aggressive and abusive and everything, but the but whole gotta... scenario of the, the situation changed where, you know, I, I didn't kill him. He didn't kill me. He didn't yeah. abuse the little girl. I just escaped, and that was that. It sounds kind of like, um, did you play the Heavy Rain DLC? Was it Taxidermist or something where you break into the Taxidermist's house and then it's kind of like a chase scene that you're a part of? And you can either like escape through a window and have never crossed paths with him even after he comes into the house, uh, or you can chop him half with a chainsaw in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like that. Yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of similar to that. And it's, um, and, and I mean that's just in the first three hours too. And and uh, uh, allegedly, from what I've been told, you know, again that this is it will just continue branching from there and small things like. If you find the gun in the house, well, now Kara either does or doesn't have a gun for the remainder of, of 
you know, I, I don't know where story points are going to go in the future, whether she'll mm. be forced to kind of throw that away or use it or whatever. But it it might come in handy for more than just that initial fight scene. Maybe it'll, you know, I didn't find the gun and I ran out of the house. And so I don't have a gun now for, or you know, at least in that playthrough. Yeah. Wouldn't have had a gun for the future of the game. Is that going to come into play somewhere hours and hours later where I'm like, man, something I did six hours ago is actually impacting yeah. what I'm able to do right now. I still don't really have um, a handle on what the actual story is of Detroit, like even through reading previews, aside from obviously the, the branching paths and stuff. What is the actual supposed Because obviously Heavy Rain was the child missing and then beyond actually i cannot remember what beyond's <laughs> what beyond's story was <laughs> ellen page was there uh what is the whole thing with with detroit what's the what's the plot uh it just androids kind of discovering humanity uh, breaking through their their programming and and one big thing that i did notice is it's not necessarily just like breaking through programming it's not just just them going well, I'm an android. I'm going to do whatever I want. It's presenting them with actual kind of moral conundrums. Yeah. Um, that will uh, almost create paradoxes in their programming in a way where they're like, "Well, I'm owned by by Todd, and I'm his his maintenance android, and I, I upkeep his house and stuff. But I've also been charged with the care of this little girl. Right. And so." Todd is telling me not to do anything, but I'm charged with her care. So wait, uh, you know, my two orders and, and programming are, are conflicting and at odds with each other. How do I reconcile that? Right. Well, okay. That's interesting. So, yeah. And, and again, I don't know how it will all, all uh, blend together um, and everything, but uh, kind of shifting from that topic a little bit uh, to, we were talking about, hyperviolence kind of being a selling point yeah. for games. Um, and it makes me think of God of War mm -hmm. and how with this new God of War, they actually almost pulled away from that and it caused a lot of people who were skeptical of it to be to be more skeptical because they didn't see the hyperviolence that was there. Even though in the final game, it's definitely... Very yeah. brutal, but they didn't use that as the central focal selling point of this new God of War game. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, you you and Jason played through uh, played played through it before um, before it's released. But now, me and I'm assuming Cameron. Cameron, did you have you got it? Yeah, I played maybe five or six hours. Oh, oh, you're quite well ahead of ahead of it than me. Then please don't spoil it. <laughs> what uh, what do you think? I. I like it. Um, the story is a little bit tough for me just because it seems like it just starts you out. You're just there. All of a sudden, here I am, I'm Kratos. That I didn't get any like backstory leading up to it. It just kind of felt like, oh, I'm here. Okay. Did you not so, play the last God of War games? No, I don't like God of right. War. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so a little something in there for those people that haven't played it would have been nice. Because I am completely lost on yeah. some of it when I started out. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's good. The the combat, the button configuration, I wasn't a huge fan of, and I still kind of 
frustrated about R1 and mm. R2 being your, your attack I'll keep buttons. going to press square straight away. Yeah, I, I've done that a whole bunch of times. So yeah. that's... I mean, it's good. I don't think it's... So far, the story's not wowing me. Yeah. I've, I've played better stories. Yeah. I think. I'm... Um, see, I'm in two minds about that, because I, I do I do understand what you mean about being... Because I, I um, briefly played a bit of uh, God of War 3, so I've never really been into God of War. Um, but I... Uh, this might, <laughs> I watched a 20 minute YouTube video to, like today after playing it yesterday to keep up to date with what has happened in God of War because I did feel quite lost in there. Um, but I, I'm really, and I, I'm finding like the story like a big, a big selling point for me. The element of mystery to it, like uh, I'm, I'm not five or six hours in. I've probably played about two and a half hours, three hours at this point. But um, I'm liking how I don't know whether it changes as you progress. But I'm liking how around every corner there's um, there's a, seems to be like a new a new mystery, something else going on in the world that I'm quite not shocked but taken aback by, um, because usually in like a lot of action adventure games, you're wandering through very one note environments and stuff, and it's the same thing repeated. Um, whereas I find in this God of War, it's not the case at all. There's cut. There's something new all of the time uh whether you you know um you're going into that really desolate lake and then the world serpent pops out and then you've got to go into the first realm and then you've got that turtle that's also a house uh there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on there um i love it i'm a i'm a i'm a, I'm a really big fan but i can't i can't understand the complaint there's a lot going on uh that i don't know about and also the triggers are i think the triggers are difficult to get used to purely on the basis of so many action games now uh, try to basically do the Batman Arkham uh, you know two button combat which makes you feel immediately really really powerful whereas this one it's a lot more poised and um, what's the word I'm looking for a lot more poised and strategic I find than, than a lot of games in its genre but I don't know I'm a big fan I hate, I hate making this comparison but it's very dark souls <laughs> mm. yeah you know i don't want to say it's the dark souls of god of war games but you've said it's, it it's and that's the not. quote we're going with <laughs> god of war is the dark souls of god of war <laughs> <laughs> the the best part was trying to explain to my daughter why kratos was always so angry like why <laughs> why does he treat him like crap why does he I'm... keep calling him boy he has a name i'm like he just it's kratos Angry Kratos, it, that's, uh, it's, it's so funny. I'm finding just the dialogue options are just so funny. Like he's talking to his son on the boat and then Atreus comes off the boat and tries to carry on the conversation. He's just like, that's a conversation that we leave for the boat. And then that's <laughs> it. No, I, that, but I, I like the dynamic of seeing Kratos. You can obviously see he cares for him and, and seeing him kind of trying to fight back his instincts and... Yeah, what he's known and and be something different. Yeah, so that's been a really cool dynamic. It puts, I think, it puts a lot of like uh, it. I feel like now I was never interested in the old God of Wars. Um, I'm not really a fan of that genre in general. Uh, but now I feel like I want to go back and play those just with the added context of what Kratos is like now, like the campy super super angry ridiculous over the top kratos never i was never bothered by before 
but now that I know that it's <laughs> affected him in this one, I kind of want to go back and see what's happened because you can tell there's a reluctance there and like a lot of self pity, and he uh, he's he's not happy with what he's done. Yeah, it's it's kind of nice actually that that they give him this redemption of of at the very least that self pity and that looking back on like man rage and anger maybe wasn't the best way to go with things but i still can't quite rid myself of it because that's who i am inherently and i i do see what cameron's saying though where um i mean i've played all the god of war games and so i know the the whole history and the whole story and and it's it's quite dark why he goes to that place and how Ares tricked him into killing his his uh yeah. know, wife and daughter and he's white because his that's his wife and daughter's ashes anybody who's just playing this first this god of war game first would never know that yeah my yeah. uh my first few minutes with the game can pretty much be summed up on who the fuck is this? Who's this yeah. kid? Where the fuck am I? How did I get here? You know, I, I'm legitimately sitting there going, I have no fucking clue what's going on. And I just started the game. This yeah. is not a good start. So the story doesn't have that much effect on me because I haven't played the other game. So just a little bit of time at the beginning kind of even a recap of what's going down or a flashback or something would have helped kind of bring me up to speed and would have maybe made the story more impactful because I don't know who the girl is. I don't know why she died. I don't care because I don't know. And yeah. I don't care that the boy misses her because I don't even know who he is. Yeah. yeah like there's no, there's no build up for someone who's new to the series. I'm finding that I'm encountering like some things during the game that I'm kind of that are kind seem to be kept mysterious, like um, like Faye, uh, his wife, that I don't want to Google in case they're a spoiler because she was obviously concealed <laughs> with a blanket over her. I'm worried that it's a spoiler if I Google who that is, but also I feel like I might just be really, really out of the loop who his wife is. But I I'll just say that she was not present in in the like uh like Cameron we were just as confused as you going into this one right. early yeah. uh you know on yeah. who that is do not google it don't, right. don't but, give yeah. it a google but don't google yeah. it yeah you you you've got you two talking about it on the last podcast there's maybe not google certain things yeah. about don't it. google anything about it because it's like reveals right. up to the end and you were right. Okay, yeah, because I thought that it seemed. I thought, well, this has got to be a big thing for long-time God of War players, surely. But then I remember thinking, like, there didn't seem to be a Fae. It was a lot of Aphrodites and Athenas, from what I remember, and then ran a random Fae. I don't know, but and, um, yeah. And then I'll say one last thing, and then we can move on. And, and maybe it's just me, but I don't really like the world map either. I don't. I just. I don't know. It doesn't work for me. I don't like it. I find it kind of cumbersome, so I'm not even really wanting to do side quest stuff. But maybe mm. that's just me. I haven't really uh, at this point. I think um, I was about I got my world map about an hour and a half ago, but I haven't opened it, and I don't really understand a lot on it. Um, like before, I reached uh, one of the realms. Um, you've got like those portals that you can stand up, which I'm still not sure what they're for. I haven't really had to use them a lot. One of those portals came up, and I paused the game to see where I was on the on the world map, and it was just blank white space, and then just 
the portal listed the, on the, the portal on takes the legend. you back to the blacksmith i think right okay so yeah. oh that makes sense then because it wasn't the blacksmith's office <laughs> so, yeah I, that's yeah i remember that, that one i'm like well i don't really want to travel here i'm already here but yeah that's great yeah no i get what you mean about the world map but i haven't got that far into it yet but yeah got a war 10 out of 10 <laughs> yeah but yeah seems seems to be doing good on twitch so that's that's great um yeah, for a single player game as well. That that's huge. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's massive to have a single player game be that that hot on on Twitch right now. Three hundred thousand concurrents it got its peak. Jason's been streaming it and he got like how many sixty thousand in one stream. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a whole thing. Jeez, we yeah. had around I think two thousand concurrents at our highest point. It was yesterday, your stream yesterday was like a peak of 2,700 people watching God of War. People love that game and, on Twitch. And we're talking two days after it's already released, too, yeah. and people are yeah. watching it like mad. That's crazy. It's, sti- it's still like um, well, in the top three or four, and I mean, for something even even multiplayer to have that kind of staying power is a really big thing, so it's clearly, you, you wouldn't think that a single player game would be out, even a big AAA one. You wouldn't think it'd have that kind of staying power, but I guess there's a lot of people who, with it being exclusive, I guess there's a lot of people who are kept out of being able to play it. So I guess they just want to see it. So that'll be a thing. Um. Well, speaking of great single-player campaigns, aren't you guys all really excited for uh, that huge Black Ops Four single-player campaign? (laughs) Oh my god. I was actually. I don't play the multiplayer on call of duty so i was actually very looking forward to the single player because that's usually all i play yep yeah i i agree that that's my like that's my bread and butter with with call of duty games because i just i just can't do call of duty multiplayer especially you know first couple of weeks sure you get kind of everybody on board and a bunch of newbies and it's it's all right you know you're you're playing around with it and it can be kind of fun but by the time you start having people drop off and it's just all the the pro fps players yeah it's not not fun for me to spend two hours of my day losing every day i'll go play something else i'll go platinum god of war i'll go you know back to nino kuni too (laughs) i use call of duty as a measuring stick for how old i'm getting so like <laughs> when I was however old when uh, Call of Duty Four came out, my reactions were quite good on it. I wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination, but was at least passable. And now as it's going on, God, it it just people watching from a distance must just really wonder what is happening when I'm playing Call of Duty. I can't <laughs> I can't do it. I can't touch it. But um. I'm, I've got a really unpopular opinion here in that I don't actually care about the single player campaign in Call of Duty. Don't really care about Call of Duty in general, but I would absolutely take a Call of Duty Battle Royale <laughs> mode over the single player campaign. So really, yep, absolutely. I'm really, I'm really invested in Battle Royale. I really like all of the games. It's exactly my. I'm a big multiplayer player anyway, so it's a big thing. Uh, and I've seen because they've got Call of Duty Battle Royale out in China now. And um, it looks good. I think it's called Call of Duty Online. Uh, it's it it looks different from the other battle royale games. Still won't play it a lot because people are going to be really good at it. But I'm more interested in that than Black Ops Four single player campaign. I, if don't get me wrong, if there was a single player campaign that was back in the modern warfare Call of Duty Four style, then I'd then I'd rather have that. But 
There hasn't been for ages. I, don't, I've, I haven't. I can't remember last time I enjoyed a Call of Duty campaign. I'm I'm kind of with you on that. I hate Call of Duty, but mm. if I'm going to rent the game at least and and get some easy trophies and enjoy the story, I kind of like doing that. Yeah, and that's the only thing I'll be missing. I really like the campaign. Uh, it's one of the last series that uh, kind of lets itself have that '90s action flick mm. kind of story. You know, there's yeah. nothing deep. All that deep about a uh, Call of Duty campaign, just like, uh, you know, you're always going to have a buddy, and he's either going to die or betray you, and you know, he just, or die while betraying you. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, uh, I think that's one thing that uh, games now are kind of missing out on, just like a nice, simple, just shoot 'em up kind yeah. of story. Uh, so I was pretty disappointed especially because black ops tends to have the the better done campaigns of the call of duty series they've they've got some really fascinating campaigns and stories and what what i'm waiting for honestly with this is that all of this is just leaks and yeah. you know decontextualized information that we're getting from probably compartmentalized leaks that are just hints of information i feel like they have a plan and that it's not as simple as well and and again this this goes back to kind of how the mystery of how the black ops campaigns have always had a little bit more of that that interesting mystery to them like the numbers with black ops and and black ops 4 having the multiple people and kind of the twist ending or not for black ops 3 having the the multiple players through the campaign and kind of the twist ending at the end of that I feel like they're doing something else that's like that. Where that it's going to be co about. Right, but yeah, where it's going to be like a different take on it. God, it's going to be it's going to be a permal world Call of Duty, isn't it? It's just going to be Destiny. That's exactly what they're going to do. You're going to be able to buy giant armor skins and walk around in the tower. I'm in. <laughs> I think is I'll take that. I think I'll be I'll be okay with that. You're walking. In fact, actually, that's exactly what they did with World War Two, isn't it? Uh, They've already for the done it. Multiplayer, yes. They yeah. they essentially yeah. put in a tower. Yeah, they did. It's got the the HQ hub, which and is actually, pretty cool. I, I heard they just turned the HQ hub into a multiplayer map as well. So there yeah, are certain game did. modes that can be played on it. Where you walk down into it, or is it just like the whole thing? Because the they've thing. got the little shooting range and everything in there, haven't they? I like the whole world for Call of Duty. Again, it's another unpopular opinion. I, I really like the um the whole. I, I like I like the the idea of Destiny more than I usually like the game. Um, like the uh the the big hub with that you can go in with your fire fire squad or well, fire team or whatever. I don't know. I, I I can see them just taking it out, especially if they. I mean, what. What would they have? The traditional multiplayer, uh, zombies is not going to go. I shouldn't imagine at any point. Um, and then if they are bringing a battle royale, which let's face it, everybody's going to be bringing out a battle royale, then yeah. then where's I've, the single player fit into that? In terms of battle royale, I've I've heard that that's basically going to more or less become like deathmatch in you know deathmatch team deathmatch battle royale it's just going to become another game mode at this point instead of a genre uh, of game oh uh, right well how are they going to fit a battle royale into how would, how would that work like a 
well, it'd just be last man standing then, wouldn't it? Except with a tiny, tiny storm coming in into the centre <laughs> of a tiny, tiny map. Because Call of Duty maps aren't big, are they? You couldn't really do anything like that there. Yeah, that might make more sense then if they're doing that. I assume that was just going to do a, like a, a more or less a straight over copy of whatever they've got going on in um in the Chinese one. Who that's, knows? That's possible too. But yeah, I, I, I always think these... That's why I think leaks like this are really damaging for the industry, for, for reputations of certain games and stuff, because it completely decontextualizes the information. And, you know, you're seeing a, a giant headline that says, you know, Black Ops 4, no single player campaign, multiplayer is going to be Battle Royale and hero shooter like Overwatch. And yeah. like, <laughs> when that's the headline, a lot of people are just going, what? But yeah. I have a feeling that that by you know come what is it May seventeenth when we get the the community reveal event we're actually going to have the information that's going to put all that into context and show us something that's probably a little different than what we're all thinking of right now. Yeah, I think the other issue that you get with um, leaks is people like myself who actually do really want Call of Duty Battle Royale could be uh, could be um, disappointed by the time that the actual truth comes out. And then you get like, uh, which is a nice segue into uh, an article that we, a feature that we published on Game Revolution this week um, about how Nintendo leaks, uh, basically about how literally everybody uh, can just call themselves an insider these days. And (laughs) (laughs) you said, I don't know whether, like how often you guys deal with it, but the amount of conversations that we have to have uh, based around this person, this rando on Twitter is saying that they've got this information and then like you dig up. Uh, I think, in fact, this guy is the one who, this guy we wrote a story on um, this week, uh, Dan Thompson for us, uh, is one of the ones who uh, wrote about Call of Duty, I think, wrote about Black Ops 4, Marcus Sellers, his name is. Um, yes. Yep. Yeah. It's just it, it's one of those like um, basically Dan went out and he uh, spoke to a few people who were like insiders, uh, Marcus Sellers being one of them. Um, a few more people like Liam Robertson, who has this popular, uh, who produces for this popular YouTube channel called Unseen Sixty Four and Did You Know Gaming does a lot of stuff about insider work. But basically, Marcus Sellers has been. Um, has said a few things, tweeted a few things about Nintendo. Uh, Nintendo leaks like he uh, predicted uh, Dark Souls remastered uh, before it came out, certain things like that. And effectively, what it is, is that Marcus uh, took information that a lot of other insiders deemed predictable, uh, easy to figure out, and then he also got a lot of information wrong. Um so he's getting information wrong and at the same time he is uh, publishing things to his Discord channel. So he's basically getting a lot of traction for himself um, as part of as part of these leaks. Uh, but the same with Call of Duty and with every, every kind of leak. People then inevitably, especially Nintendo fans, because they're quite, uh, they're quite ex- the excitable bunch, um, they're taking these leaks as verbatim and are kind of going away with them. And then criticise Nintendo for not responding to not not having these things. So the Nintendo Direct presentation was was 
planned according to these leaks like a mo- three months in advance and then suddenly that wasn't happening and then people like go at Nintendo just like where's your Nintendo Direct you said it was going to happen here and then it's just some guy on Twitter who's just like no 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 uh so I don't know. I think the problem is with with leaks is just that it it ends up it winds up just affecting the company as much as it does everybody else because people have these expectations uh, just based on people on Twitter making a name for themselves and uh, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 really damaging. It's something that I've I've written about on PlayStation Lifestyle uh, at least once before, if if yeah. not multiple times, um, with you know leaks that have come up and then it it gains traction and and from a from a journalistic standpoint from from our side of things like how do we not cover that information to stay relevant but at the same time like i don't want to sit here and and kind of perpetuate this this information for example about black ops 4 because I don't know if it's true, no. and I don't want to damage the reputation of the game before Activision and Treyarch have even revealed it outside of a title. Yeah. It's really difficult to navigate it because I think we covered um, uh, one of uh, a fake leak that we had to, that we, I can't remember what it was now, that we then had to go back on. But like, it's really difficult to navigate when when you do cover it and when you don't, because obviously everybody can come out and say that they're an insider. You don't have to have any credentials. And the issue is now that a lot of insiders are piggybacking off piggybacking off other uh, off other leakers. Um, so then it's difficult to ascertain the exact source. Um, so I know Jason and I have spoken about it a whole bunch of times. Um, when Ooh. you get information, yeah, when you get information to, and you're like, we've really, really got to go through this now because obviously, you can end up with with egg on your face quite frequently because of it. But, but like you said, you've got to you've got to stay covering, and if a lot of people are reporting on it, then you've really, really got to consider it. But it's difficult to tell. I uh, I just I don't want to start any beef, but I think leakers are just bullshit artists. It's like <laughs> I don't want to start any beef, but I hate. <laughs> I I mean I can go in my game revolution mailbox right now and you know just publish PR releases and then I'd be a leaker I'd be an industry insider it's just like uh, and they do it on Twitter so it's like you can just delete the things you're wrong about yeah but pe- you know people still are like you know there's there's a an audience around these people who just hang on their every word but it's like you know they're they're not putting any information out there that can't be either guessed at or gleaned off of PR release. It's like, no. wow, you knew somebody at, uh, you know somebody who works for Nintendo of Europe and they told you uh, that yeah. Dark, Dark Souls Remastered would be coming out. That's awesome. You did a great job. It's like, uh, I just cannot stand them. It's like, uh, and you know, there are some out there who, who do, uh, do research, you know, what, what they're leaking beforehand. Oh, yeah. That's, that's kind of, you know, that's a more responsible thing. But for every one of those, there's, you know, a Marcus Sellers who uh, just says whatever and deletes what he's wrong yeah. about. Yeah. So, you know. I think the thing that you can kind of keep on track of as well, a lot of these people who, who are, are reliable 
uh, but a lot of them work for Kotaku now. <laughs> so you got a lot of Laura Kate Dale and then Jason Schreer, I think it is. Uh, but yeah. Then a lot of the people who are like um, who are reliable with it, they do usually get on. So then the people yeah. who are kind of limited in the capacity to Twitter and stuff, that always sets alarm bells ringing. Like even Liam Robertson, who we featured in that feature about Nintendo leaks, uh, he's he's uh, done quite well for himself. He's yeah. he's got uh, a few a few gigs with with leaking. So pe- when it comes from people like that, you can kind of yeah. trust it, even though you've got to do your own in- investigations. But, but yeah, uh, I actually have a st- even the people who who do get things right, you know, you've got to take with a grain of salt oh, yeah. because. Uh, I actually have a, a story. Um, oh. It was when the Switch uh, Nintendo Direct was about to come out last year. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone was predicting what what the lineup would be, and then uh, you know the 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 big the big money was on Laura Kate Dale. Um, yeah. But then I actually ended up covering a leak on 4chan that was from someone who was setting it up that ended up to be completely right. It was the most accurate one, and it was just some random post on 4chan <laughs> on B. So it's like you've got, you know, that's that's like who your peers are if you're leaking. It's like you, and then like random dude on <laughs> yeah, on 4chan are that you know that's your your peers. That's they're on your level. So it's like, uh, I mean, as I said, there are professional people who I would consider to be a type of games journalists that do these leaks. Yeah, but then you know you you've got these people who I guess want to latch on to that kind of that fame and fortune, uh, yeah, and have realized you just can talk out your ass on Twitter and yeah. you know every once in a while get something right and you'll have ten thousand followers. Uh, yeah. Also, well, oh, these these game companies need to lock it down. Like they, you know, they they. Their information is all over the place. I don't know how, like Nintendo and Activision, can have so much, like, put out in the open by just random people and not be like, maybe we need to compartmentalize what we're doing from now. <laughs> I don't on. understand. I don't understand how it happens. Just pure, like, all of this stuff gets leaked. I could understand it if we were getting, if uh, journalists and gaming outlets were getting press releases that were embargoed and then something to, along those lines was slipping through the grapevine. But like which, Rise which of the Tomb Raider, we got nothing. Yeah, that does happen. But I mean, like, you think of stuff like Rise of the... T- no, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Look, how did that... How did so much so, of that come out? So that happened because somebody saw somebody on a on train. train. With- <laughs> yeah. You'd think they'd be like, hey, if you happen to be on public transportation, just keep your laptop closed. Yeah. And then it was like they had, um, but then they was like, "Oh, we're doing a big reveal. Uh, we're doing a big reveal uh, later this week." And then they were play. They accidentally broke embargo on a lot of the trailers in theaters, and then the trailer was just playing in theaters. So then everybody was watching it before, and and it's I don't I just plan it better. <laughs> I don't know what it. I really, really don't know. I don't know how it happens. Well, and and speaking of of those leaks, incredible leaks and stuff, like uh, Jason Schreier, Schreier, not sure mm-hmm. exactly how you say it, but uh, from Kotaku did a massive report yeah. on the Mafia Three developer. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that report, and it's it's so funny to read that article because it's a fascinating article actually about the the troubles that uh, Hangar Thirteen had. Yeah. 
And and then just as kind of this aside in it, it was like, oh yeah, and some of the people there went to work at this top secret studio across the the street that's uh, <laughs> working on the next Bioshock game. Yeah. <laughs> not even the headline, not even the. It's just yeah, they're going. It was to, the going most confident. It was the most confident article I think I've seen posted on the game site. <laughs> because if if I was sitting there in an interview and somebody had told me about a new Bioshock game, my heads my, my alarm bells would start ringing and I'd start thinking about seo <laughs> immediately yeah. i've been that tainted but it was just i think we had in our slack chat on gr we just had um uh bradley who was i think he, i think the post was made on the weekend or on a friday or something and he was covering our, our new shift and he was just like oh you've been reading this thing about mafia and i was like no no he's like oh you know kataka's just done a good piece and then he was like hang on <laughs> what <laughs> wait what? a minute what <laughs> that's a new game <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that one was just just kind of unreal and I, I i think it it was done in such a way that you know I, I don't think jason wanted to draw attention to you know his intention with that whole piece was not to uncover what else no. 2k might be working on that's just yeah. information that arose during that time and obviously everybody is going to source that piece because that oh, is yeah. the 100 percent the source of the information yeah um, it's probably one of those situations where it's difficult because you've got all these people speaking under the condition of anonymity and stuff and then you've also got to maintain the relationship with that developer so it's it's one of them isn't it where you can understand why you did it but i, I, I don't know i don't know whether i have that much integrity <laughs> i don't yeah, know whether that's all spent at this uh, point it's a uh, rough i mean PlayStation Lifestyle actually, uh, and 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 Cameron can can speak to this a little bit too. But one of the big things that put PlayStation Lifestyle on the map back in the day was was that decision of whether or not to leak information that was out there, uh, yeah. particularly about Last Guardian. At that point, it was just Project Trico. Yeah, oh, did, did and it PSLF took us a good it? three or four years to repair that relationship too. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah, Anthony Anthony Severino broke that uh, back in the day. He got. Oh, sorry about that. My cat's tail's dragging my microphone. Um, it, it, yeah, he got the trailer uh, back in the day from a, a friend that worked at Sony, and then had a, <laughs> you know, a debate back and forth with himself. Like, uh, okay, do I do this? Do I not do this? Do I do this? And it was both good and bad put yeah. PSLS on the map, but but really, really damaged. Uh, I, you know, I wasn't with the site back then, and I was like, no, I'm not going to join that site until we got a good relationship with Sony. But <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, having PlayStationLifestyle.net with a bad relationship with Sony, I can imagine that's quite difficult. It yeah. wasn't fun. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, so um, that's... Yeah. Yeah, that I mean that we we've got history with leaks and it's definitely something that we take very very seriously if we if we come upon information that we're not 100% sure, certain we're supposed to have. Uh, for example, I was at PSX a couple years ago and was just kind of BSing with one of the the Dreams developers and he just kind of launched into all this VR stuff about Dreams and that's before it was widely known that that Dreams was going to be VR compatible. And I kind of went like, uh, what? I now know all of this stuff. I don't think you were supposed to tell me all of that. And I emailed Sony's PR and was like, listen, I have this information. I want to talk about it, but can I talk about it? Because I, I wasn't just going to put something out there and and 
potentially damage that relationship further. No. When um when I was uh working doing technology for um Game Revolution Sister Site, well it's now defunct now, but Crave Online, um we have a family friend who works for Microsoft and he knew what I did, but he told me a whole bunch of info that obviously wouldn't be able to be verified or whatever, but I just had to kind of just ease into him and just be like, you know, this probably isn't great. We should probably just stop here because yeah. <laughs> I don't want anybody falling out. This isn't, this isn't the best, this isn't the best route that we go down. But, uh, but yeah, it's just, you obviously, you, you need to, you need to weigh up the options, don't you? Yeah. Of whether it's, it's worth, it's worth reporting on I'm, or not. I'm going to talk a little bit more smack and then I'm going to stop before I make cool. it. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, people, people kind of crap on, games journalists these days but yeah. uh that's kind of the, the thing that makes me not like uh leakers so much is because we yeah. do have to have that dilemma of whether or not you know is is this piece of information something we can we can tell people you know we yeah. we, we get you know we even get minor pr releases you know with stipulation like oh it's embargoed oh you know uh nda or whatever yeah. and it's like we have to constantly you know watch what we're saying watch what we're putting in articles you know uh watch what we're, like last week we couldn't talk about pretty much anything with god of war because nah. we we were honoring an agreement and that's kind of what makes me angry because i know that these people are getting information either directly from these companies or for people that work for these companies or have obligations to these companies and there's you know, there's there's a lot of ethical breaches going on, and it's just like no one really cares. Yeah. But we have to. So yeah. basically, I'm jealous of the freedom they have to tell, <laughs> tell whatever and hit that sweet sweet SEO. Yeah. And a little jealous, but there's there's a sense of pride there too. There's yeah. A sense of pride of going. I know that information, and I didn't say it. I I kept it in. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, we. You have to juggle a lot of balls, don't you? Really. Yeah. <laughs> and you're, uh, you've got like your, um, you know, you get your, you get your press release sent through, and then you, and then, or if you find information like through the grapevine, uh, you have to consider because ultimately, but you're serving your readers. That's the whole point. You, you are serving your reader, so people could argue and say, well, you know, you're just going to do what's in benefit of the reader, but it, it is a lot more, it is a lot trickier than that because you've also got these long-standing relationships yeah. between publishers that you need to that you need to keep a hold of. Um, so you've just got to weigh up which, which what you will report and what you won't report, but yeah. Like, yeah. like how can you serve your readers without those relationships? Exactly. With yeah. It's not I mean, as simple. There's, there's even leaks like... We can't cover because we've gotten, you know, a PR release from someone, which is basically yeah. like the handshake, like you're sending us these, so we're not going to talk about them. So it's yeah. like there's so many instances to... where a leaker will post something, and then you'll see all the gaming outlets will have to wait for like four days, to, like four or five days to give the information that everybody knows already. 
But like you said, how do you serve your readers? You've got to weigh up whether it's worth it for that one story or then you risk uh, losing that relationship with that entire publisher and then you just won't be able... Well, you will be able to cover their stuff, but you won't be able to review stuff, you won't be able to preview stuff. So it's a, it's a much bigger conundrum than just, oh, I've got to, you know, my readers deserve to know this, I've got to show them this, or I've got to jump on this for views or whatever. There's a, there's a lot more to it than that, uh, and it's it's daily, isn't it? Really, you get you get all yeah. this stuff through daily. You got to hold embargoes daily. I mean, we're probably sitting on about twenty right now, so <laughs> that, probably. That yeah. yeah, so it's just one of those things. But yeah, new Bioshock. <laughs> it sounds good. <laughs> new Bioshock sounds great. It's, yeah, uh, I I don't want to speculate on it too much, but it's it's going to be. I, I, I'm excited. I'm eager to see what they do next with it. Um, if we want to cover uh, a few more of these news bits quickly, mm-hmm. we can then get to some of the reader questions we have on here. Yes, sir. Um, so, uh, Microsoft officially hiring for Xbox One. We're PlayStation Lifestyle, so I don't know anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> Take it away. <laughs> well, basically, Microsoft, which I'm literally Googling right now because I've just realized that I, uh, that I can't remember what the exact job title was. This is quite a weird one, really, because obviously most uh, game hardware manufacturers, so Sony, Nintendo, they'll keep it completely quiet, uh, radio silence about the hardware that they're releasing. There'll be tidbits of information that'll leak, uh, or that people will share, or you'll have um, people saying, this is probably what this is going to offer. Um, Microsoft literally just posted a job advert on their website that was just like, yeah, this is for the next Xbox. (laughs) Well... Not the exact words that they used. The exact words were. Let me have a look. Microsoft is the destination for the yeah is the destination for the brightest minds of gaming device design. Couldn't be part of what's next. And then it was just talking about it was for Team Xbox talking about um what um RAM they're gonna have in it and stuff. Uh, There's not really anything to report on. Just the fact that they are working on an Xbox One and they're hiring um a senior electrical engineer for it. So Xbox Two. Xbox Two is coming. <laughs> uh, at this point, their naming current. conventions are so screwed up. Whatever they decide to go with, it's it's just whatever. Xbox oh, no. 1080, I don't know. Yeah, Xbox 4K. That could be Xbox 4K, <laughs> Xbox 8K. Uh, I did like somebody. What was it? The Xbox 360 was supposed to be. X, people were calling it the Xbox 720 and stuff. <laughs> I'd have that. No, I'm quite. To be, I, I know we've. I think we've spoken about the next gen consoles loads on this this point, but uh, I, I uh, a part of me is a little bit surprised that they are um, carrying on with traditional hardware. I, I, I expected. I didn't expect, but part of me thought that maybe Microsoft would go a completely different route uh, for the next one because they've been really, really unorthodox in a uh, in this generation since. Um, well. Phil Spence, Phil Spencer took over, and they they tried that at at the start of the Xbox One. They tried that, and people revolted against it. And honestly, I think that if they had stuck to their guns with what they originally wanted to do with the Xbox One when it was first revealed, yeah, that the Xbox One would, I don't know if I'd say it'd be winning this generation, but it wouldn't be as far behind PS4 as it is. Sure, I don't. I don't think it. I don't know whether it would have made that much of a difference. I think a lot of the things were obviously really anti-consumer. So the stuff about the used games and whatever, they really made themselves look like an evil mega corporation, which was which was ridiculous. 
Um, but a lot of the stuff now is really useful. That was that was uh, that they would have been. I've wrote a feature about this a little while back about how, in a lot of respects, the Xbox was ahead of its time, just wasn't done well. Stuff like the um, Connect. So the Connect was ridiculous. Uh, shouldn't have been thrown in with a bundle to make it that expensive. But I think a lot of people now, um, having like a built-in uh, voice recognition system that worked as well as the Connect did for that specific purpose. I think if that was built into the console, I think a lot of people would really, really like that now. I think that's a really useful feature to have with your, you know, people go wild over the Alexa and the Google Home or whatever. I think that kind of thing is is really clever, and um, it was it was uh, it was use it was useful. Uh, I had an Xbox One at launch, and uh, uh, I mean they made the UI of the Xbox. Oh, not my microphone there. They made the UI of the Xbox a lot more awkward to basically justify the Connect, which was irritating. But a lot of the stuff for its TV capabilities and stuff was useful. But they just kind of, like I said, they walked back on a lot of the stuff, and then it was less a less interesting console. Um, it basically became like your standard game console, but without the games. So. <laughs> <laughs> so all of the interesting things that they'd loaded it up with yeah were just taken out and then because they'd focused on all that instead of the games it's now just kind of it just is what it yeah. is well they are they hypothetically focused on the games didn't they like hypothetically it was xbox one is for the gamers but i don't i can't think of a single xbox one game that i've that i've loved and the fact of the matter is now, which is good for mm. for PC, the people who play on PC, but what's the point in me owning an Xbox One now? I just mm-hmm. play everything on PC from the Windows Store, so... Yeah, I think they messed up with the uh, whole all-in-one device uh, approach they were taking when it first came out. Uh, for one, they messed up the name with that. You know, the whole Xbox One means this is your only device. They should have went with another name, because that was confusing. But... Um, yeah. It's like Microsoft couldn't adapt. I don't feel like after that failed, after everyone was like, no, we actually just want to play games on our Xbox. We don't want to use it, you know, to uh, to, to Skype with our families or, yeah. you know, as a cable box or anything. We've, we've already got things for those. Yeah. Um, and I think they're still reeling from that because it's like with the Xbox One X, it's like they kind of changed the approach to like, this is just a game. This is the most powerful gaming console. And then, you know, oh, where are the games? That's great that you can display native 4K, but when you can only play, like, Forza and Halo 5 on on there. Sea of Thieves? Well, that's that's a whole other story. (laughs) How how terrible that turned out. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I, I just really feel for the Xbox team because, I like, I they're just trying to get it so hard, you know? Like they're trying you know, to get there. There's there's one more team that's trying to get there really hard. Excellent segue right into this. <laughs> Bioware. Uh, <laughs> God, your segues are really on point today. <laughs> poor, uh, that, that, that's that's the best thing about doing podcasts is figuring out how to link everything you talk about, this right? It's gone perfectly. <laughs> um, yeah, Bioware is, is now, they, they basically have said they're refocusing for, for Anthem after Mass Effect Andromeda's problems and after not being able to expand the world the way that they wanted to and and uh, 
I kind of feel like this headline is a a it's it's good to hear, but it's a really well duh type of headline. <laughs> you know, like mm. of course a studio is going to take the the previous things that they've worked on and their successes and their failures and they're going to learn from them or at least you hope they would yeah so they're learning from it great <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm more That's... into I, I, I like I, i'm quite interested in the whole um uh part of, i think part of that story was discussing how that i mean th- this could just be like uh you know because obviously pre-release hype or whatever they could just be saying this to to make the game sound sound better but i was more interested in them saying that it was going to take a lot of the story elements from bioware games and put them into anthem because we haven't really seen a game that takes the destiny approach but then is still interesting to play outside of the multiplayer aspect and the actual shooting of it and the the game from a gameplay aspect like I think I don't know. I know you really like Destiny Channel, so you <laughs> might really love the story. But I think a lot of people not really that interested in uh, in Destiny, myself included. So I I am very interested to see Bioware do uh, a real story focused game, but with that element to it. That was what I I took out of that story more than because, like you said, obviously they are going to like refocus now that's they've failed so now they're going to try and do better that's 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 what's obviously going to happen and and i see i see what you mean with with destiny where i'm i really do enjoy its story but its story is not as inherent to its gameplay as it could be no um the the story is this you know the story is reddit the story is going on reddit and reading lore posts and reading you know like like background and history and theories and and all of this other stuff the the lore is largely outside of the game uh, I, yeah. I mean a lot of it's in the game too to destiny to 2 find, changed but... that a little bit that was it was more of destiny 1 i couldn't tell you what happened there i was <laughs> destiny 2 though at least you know didn't you didn't have to what was it called what you had to go and where you had to read everything the grimoire oh the grimoire yeah yeah that's it that's it at least you didn't have to really do that this time around yeah. um yeah I, I i i'm just interested to see them do something along uh, along the lines of mass effect uh with like you know it's it's focus on story and maybe be more of an RPG than a straight up, uh, than a straight up co-op shooter. shooter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they could do really cool things with it, and I'm, I'm. Bioware has done some amazing things, so I'm excited to see what they could possibly do next if they can can refocus in in an effective way. Um, and if we want to segue again, talk about somebody else who's refocusing. <laughs> <laughs> He seems to come up in every podcast here. Uh, oh, he's Cliff like our Blazinski. mascot now. He's like our yeah. mascot, Cliff Blazinski. <laughs> we just get his point. face on the... <laughs> yeah, I know. There's one thing, Cross- that guy, he knows how to publicize himself. He's, he's very good at doing that, because this has been three weeks now where we've spoken about Cliff Blazinski, I think. And he yeah. hasn't really done much either. Like, he just made <laughs> Radical Heights, I guess, that has kind of died now. Um, well, and, and now he's making some... Uh, a little bit passive-aggressive, mm-hmm. inflammatory remarks on Twitter accusing Epic Games of, of stealing developers from Bosky Studios. Yeah. So... It's kind of like... I, I, 
from my perspective, that's a little childish, I guess. I, I, I don't know. Like this, this industry is, is a small industry overall. And yeah. it, it happens. Like you talk to any developers and they've worked it at multiple other studios previously. Like they, they shift around, they move around. I, I mean, feel like if Epic Games is poaching their their developers, there's a reason yeah. those people are leaving Boss Key to go to Epic Games, and that's because they're going from working on Lawbreakers to working on yeah. Fortnite. <laughs> the biggest game in the world. It could yeah. also be just because they had to make Lawbreakers in the first place. <laughs> 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 they probably don't even realize they made Radical Heights. They're probably just like in a stupor after, after <laughs> making Lawbreakers, just wandering through life. No, we obviously don't know the ins and outs of the story, and we likely will never hear the ins and outs of the story. But um, yeah, like you said, it's not exactly uncommon for a developer to switch studios. We don't know whether any did. He just said that they've been trying to, but that seems like it should be limited to an email yeah, uh, it was, rather it was than a tweet. A little passive-aggressive. Yeah. It was kind of like, uh, all right, I, I understand that he's probably frustrated and he's probably not, you know, it's probably been a, a tough couple of years for him, but yeah, like that's not the way to lash out and handle it at the end of things. So no. and, and maybe he has a point. You know, it all depends on is Epic just reaching out to people and saying, hey, we'd like to hire you? Or are they saying, hey, you know, this studio? Yeah. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> Sorry, I had some a-hole come in my office. <laughs> are you good? Um, so I had to mute my mic. But it all depends on how Epic Games actually went about it, but it's still not the way for Cliffy B to actually address it. He could have just called Epic Games. And at this point, why doesn't Cliff just just head on over to Epic too? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. yeah, talk to his old coworkers, just knocking they the door. Like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> just goes in and sits down at a desk. Like, hey guys, I'm, I'm working here now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Takes up his boss key name badge and puts on his Epic name badge. Just takes a seat at the table. I think I think a lot with with uh, with him. Obviously, he, he's got himself a name because he does. He knows how to get publicity for himself. Uh, obviously, it didn't work out well for Lawbreakers. But aside from the really really terrible marketing that game had, because I, I feel like that really contributed to its failure as well. Aside from that, he um, you know, he he. He did. He did get quite a lot of um, traction around it when he first announced it. The whole big, oh, you know, you'll pay however many dollars for this game and you'll get a full experience and stuff like that. People are, hey. So I think just in this case, a lot of people are comparing Radical Heights to Fortnite, which they should because it's the same game uh, with just worse textures. And then they're just comparing the two, and then he's just been like, "Well, you know, they actually they want they want our workers to go over to there." I don't know. I, I don't know the guy, so I'm making assumptions. <laughs> I think he's got got some beef too because um, the person he founded Bosky with, uh, Arjan Brousset, I think is how you say his name. Mm. He left in December, like after Lawbreakers, just you know, completely failed in Tank. every way. He went back to Epic Games. Oh, really? So, yeah. So, I'm sure Cliffy B's got a little bit of resentment there. Like, you know, I made this company with this Epic, you know, this guy who went back to Epic Games. And they're stealing my people. And yeah. it's Epic Games' fault. It's not my fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah. easy to start being like, it, they're keeping me down. Yeah. 
are trying to destroy me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Right. I don't know if Cliffy B's, you know, I guess that would be schizophrenia I was doing there. <laughs> but <laughs> that's what I'm imagining going on. <laughs> uh, 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 just, a, just a note to all of our listeners we are not clinical psychiatrists. <laughs> no, no, we're not. <laughs> any degrees. Oh, any... shit, we're not. <laughs> I played Hellblade, though. That's... <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> that's about as Pretty close much. as we go. <laughs> that's a degree. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's run through. We got a couple of reader questions here uh, that uh, Game Revolution readers have sent in yes, for us yes, to answer. We, we can mm-hmm. run through some of those here to to finish this up. Mm-hmm. Um, so first off, let's see: Has any of the current GR staff ever enjoyed a game, old or new? That the general gaming community dislikes or critics hated. Mercenaries 2 World in Flames, for example, from Necrowolf. And I guess it addresses the GR staff, but I guess... We uh, can it can be all of us. All it can answer. be all of us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, God. You know, I told this. I really, really should have thought about my answer to this before. And, um... No? <laughs> I, you know... It's never happened. <laughs> I've it depends on your definition of enjoyed a game. I've enjoyed games that are that are bad games and I have not enjoyed games that are like critical darlings. Oh, I've but, just re- I've just carry on. I've just remembered I've got one. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean there 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 are a couple that are kind of uh, I guess would be my my guilty pleasures that would be ones where I go, you know, I this game is not a great game, but I'm enjoying playing it well enough that I'll go through and, and get a platinum. It's it's like what are we talking cool. about here? What game so we can judge you? Oh, I don't even know at this point. I've got 182 <laughs> platinums now. So oh my god, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the one that I thought of, uh, which is this is this is a I can't believe I didn't think of this straight away. It's um, Sonic 06. Oh <sighs> yeah. So <laughs> everybody, so, oh, yeah, I know. It. it's. I know it's terrible, and I haven't played it since. Uh, well, two thousand and six. Basically, I'd stopped playing video games for quite a few years, um, and I went uh, on vacation, and there was an Xbox three hundred and sixty that was there, and there was, uh, it it was raining at the vacation, and the uh, only game that was there was Sonic the Hedgehog two thousand and six. And um, I'd been out of the loop for quite a while, so I didn't really know what was going on. And I, I don't know whether it was a case of Stockholm syndrome because I was trapped with that game in that in that <laughs> in that country. But uh, but yeah, grew to like it. I know now. I didn't know then how panned it had been and how terrible it actually was. I've seen playthroughs since, so I know what's going on with that thing. But at the time, I spent a lot of time with that game and completed it and. Didn't have that many complaints, I don't remember, but we are going back like what twelve years. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's mine. Anybody else? Uh, Jason uh, or Cam, you have any? I uh, no. I uh, I like the Gundam games on PS2 and PS3, uh, which they were all bad, but I really enjoyed them. Uh, except for Zionic Front for PS3, which was really bad. Um, but uh, Journey to Jaburo, love that game, and it was garbage. It was objectively <laughs> a garbage, terrible game. Um, but I, I, yeah, I guess there's quite a few. I can't think of them because it's like you might might enjoy a bad game, 
but it's like it doesn't leave an impression. I don't yeah, feel you can't like. really think about it afterwards. So I know there's plenty that just like critically were panned that I, I enjoyed. I thought of one. Go. On. I like Dirge of Cerberus. Final okay. Fantasy VII. Yeah, I can get Final Fantasy I really VII. enjoyed it. Um, but you know that was a long time ago. I'd probably hate it now. <laughs> But I really enjoyed it at the time, and I know it got destroyed. I also really enjoyed Beyond Two Souls, and I know people really hate that one a lot. Mm. I like I like that game. Mm. I love it. I thought yeah. it was better than Heavy Rain, which I thought was garbage. I have not played Heavy Rain yet, so. But that's for another Heavy time. Yeah. You know, I, I I guess I I will think of one, and then we can move on to the next question real quickly. But uh, uh, Nac Two, I I quite enjoyed Nac Two. I thought it was a great game. It was a lot of fun. Um, and a lot of people are just like, ah, it's more knack. It's like, yeah, but it was enjoyable. It's more meme than game now, isn't it, knack? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Uh, that was, that that was, that question was, did you say it was from Necrowulf? We say the name, so they'll write in next time. (laughs) You got your approval, Necrowulf, write in next time. Send us another question. Uh, all right. I think we'll do one more here, uh, before we close this one off. Uh, do you guys still game in your free time, or has it become too much of a job at this point? Uh, if you do game, do you continue the games you're currently reviewing, or do you take a break with something else? That's from Marco Caballero. What is what is this free time that Marco talks about? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, I, I, I guess I'll, I'll handle, you know, this game job is not my full-time job, so this game job is actually my free time. <laughs> Yeah. I guess you could say it's. I never have free time. I have two kids and two jobs. So, um, but yeah, I play anytime I get a chance. Even if this was my full time job, I'd still play anytime I got a chance. Yeah, I. It's it's really weird because I I feel like anytime I'm playing anything, even if it is just playing something recreationally and and in my quote unquote free time. Mm-hmm. I'm still constantly thinking of, even if it's an older game that I'm going back to or something like that, I'm thinking of like, how can I work this into a feature or something that I can write up or I'm constantly paying attention to to things within the game. So it's, it is still a job, but I do, I mean, yes, I do still game in my free time and I will continue games that I've reviewed. You know, I'm, I'm working on the Platinum for Nino Kuni 2, for God of War. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I I also do try and get out and step away from games a, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think I enjoy games less now than 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 I used to since I've started. Uh, since I do it for a job now. Don't get me wrong, I love my job, and uh, I like the fact that I can do this for a living. It's very cool. But um, but definitely, as you've just said, the whole thinking of what what you've what you what what you're going to produce as a result of playing the game uh, really takes my mind off of just enjoying it, I think. So a lot of the times, especially when you're reviewing a game, reviewing a game is not the ideal way to play a game at all because you've got to, you're not only playing it through in a relatively limited amount of time unless the publisher's really, really nice and sends it through two or three weeks earlier. Um, Jason reviews most games for us, so he'll tell you this. But uh, yeah, you 
you know, you spend a lot of time and then you're thinking of the guides you've got to write and the features that you've got to write and then it's a whole thing, it's a whole process. When I'm now uh, playing in my free time, um, it's uh, literally, I'll just rotate two games and one of those games is always Overwatch. So I'll play Overwatch and then right now I'm rotating God of War because uh, I haven't had to cover that. Um, but then before that it was Divinity 2. I never have more than two games that I'm that I'm playing just recreationally, but I still do it in my free time. Just I'm always thinking about what I'm going to have to write about it, but I don't have to do that for Overwatch because nobody cares. So, so <laughs> just something I can personally enjoy, unless they have a patch out or anything. But uh, but yeah, that's just the thing I enjoy. Yeah, I uh, as Paul said, I review most of our games, so it's like kind of grueling sometimes. Like even games I like, like I really liked kingdom come deliverance but like near the end of reviewing it and like writing guides for it i was just like this is such a great game and i'm just so tired of it and sick of it and never want to see it again but um i noticed going back and playing a game i reviewed like uh god of war i sped through pretty fast um but now i'm going back and playing it for twitch just kind of like at my own pace and it's i'm enjoying it a lot a lot more um And we got that, I think we got that about a week and a half before we released. So it was still pretty tight getting that 40 hours playtime in before doing the review. Um, one thing I do uh, to kind of avoid what Chandler was talking about, like try thinking about articles I could write about every game I play, even if it's not for review. Uh, I like to go back and play just random games that I missed. Like uh, I'm playing Rim World right now. And it's like no one... It's a good game, but no one cares about it. I don't have to. I don't have <laughs> yeah. to. I mean, plenty of people care about it, but it's like I don't have to worry about like I've got to get this article about Rimworld out like <laughs> yeah. tomorrow. I got to hit that SEO before you know. <laughs> I got to get on trends. Yeah. What part of the game do I need to play? And you know, it's just like it doesn't have to be frantic because sometimes you know, in the competitive world of games writing, it it gets tedious and stressful. To, to have to get on trends and be like, you know, do I have to play this part of the game again? You know, yeah. I, I have, do I have to describe this part of the game and, you know, uh, ruthless detail so that, uh, I can make a guide out of it and take pictures and take video, you know? So, um, I love playing games in my spare time. I, I really, you know, dislike gaming as a whole, but that's, you know, that's why we're all here. Yeah, it'd be, it'd Honestly, be pretty shit yeah. if you didn't. <laughs> yeah. God, End I of the day, video games. I mean, yeah. the good thing is there's enough variety with video games that even when you get sick of one, it's like you can start playing another one and it's a completely different experience. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's great. Uh, kind of like the variety in the topics that we talk about on this podcast. <laughs> uh, all right, so. I think we're I think we're gonna wrap this one up for today. We do have one more question, but uh, we can answer that next week. We'll talk about uh, whether we have kids and we consider them our greatest regret or our second greatest regret, <laughs> and if we punish them when they beat us in video games. So uh, uh, sneak peek: when my cats get thumbs, I'll let you know. But uh, <laughs> that's gonna be it for the uh, the. Um, the Crossplay Podcast, that's our name for this week. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk to you guys all next week. Thanks. Thank, Thank you. you.